Hey, welcome. I'm Pam Lundell, your host and friend, I hope, on A Widow's Heart. I'm grateful you're here again and listening, and I'm grateful to my guests who are so willing to be transparent during one of the most difficult times in their lives. Each grief and healing story is so transparent, and each story continues day by day. Just know that sharing your story is a courageous step towards healing your own heart. It's hard to be seen and then retell the story and receive comfort and people, you know, because they also are grieving and they need to express their grief. I'm Pam Lundell, and this is A Widow's Heart. My guest is Amy Peril. And Amy, before we get to your story, I'm just amazed at how God works in the heart of so many and um, just brings me you, you know, to share Mm -hmm. your story. And I know it's going to be maybe a little difficult to share, but so many of our friends um, that are listening benefit from these God stories and and how God has shown through even the most difficult parts of your life, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's just let's just start with you. Tell me a little bit about Amy and maybe your love story with Jay. I like to start oh, like that. Okay. Yes. Well, I grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, and I have one sister. And our parents were both teachers, mm-hmm. very involved in church. Um, my dad was the church chairman growing up, and my mom was always in choir or Bible studies. My sister and I were in Sunday school and youth group and all of that. So. Growing up was was pretty simple. It sounds like my background. Just, yeah. Yes. Raise a child up, yep. right? And you hope they do what you're supposed exactly. to do. <laughs> so we, um, I ended up meeting Jay actually at the Sunshine Factory mm-hmm. in its original location over in New Hope. And I yeah. always hated saying like, you know, that we met in a bar or whatever. So mm-hmm. we... Um, when we were doing marriage counseling, his favorite story, he would always laugh so hard when the pastor asked, like, oh, so where did you meet? I just said, well, we, we met in the social area of a restaurant and bistro. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, it happens. It okay. Just, yes. <laughs> oh, but it was definitely, I feel like he was, you know, we were great partners. He's com- was completely opposite of my personality, very loud, um, um, drew a lot of attention, just funny, witty, um, driven, uh, successful I entrepreneur. Looked up, I looked up your husband, Jay, Jay on Perils, P-E-R-R-I-L-L. And you can yes. just see that. You oh. can see that glint in his eye and he's yes. pretty much a little bit of trouble. Oh, you nailed it right there. <laughs> yes. And but I, fun. Had, I but couldn't fun say trouble. no to him. He just, we did really have a lot of fun. And he actually um, had left had just quit. I think when we met, he was just diving into this web design and and quit his job, started his own business. And when, I'm trying to remember the year, 1998, 99, he proposed, he built a website called marrymeamy.com and it's still what? up. And so, you know, marry I, I me, marry always... me, Amy.com. And it's yeah. AMY, right? Now yeah. we're all going to go look it up. Okay. <laughs> yes. So that's how he originally proposed. Because he's and... a web uh, designer. Yes. I mean, he's a, yeah, a, a tech guy. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. that's kind of how it all started. So we had three children um, at the time when he passed. He passed away two years ago from a cardiac mm-hmm. arrest. Um, suddenly, totally unexpectedly. Um, my oldest son at the time was 15, my daughter was 13, and my youngest son was 10. 
and it was right when COVID was starting to happen. Oh, Amy, yeah. Um, so the two younger kids actually were at home that day, and the oldest was at a friend's house. So it just, you know, it it just was shocking. Upended our entire lives. Do you mind, do you mind sharing that story? I know I've seen a little bit about it in the past, and um, everyone of the it's called the widow's heart because, like, I, as I told you, my husband died um, fifteen years ago now. But I've always been involved with and walking as- alongside widows because it's a it's a club no one wants to belong to. But every story is so unique, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And if you don't mind sharing whatever you feel like sharing, sure. No pressure. Um, yeah. No, that day. Um, that day, I had gotten up. I always get up at six, six o'clock in the morning. So it was May 7th okay. of 2020. So COVID had already started to hit. And actually, I don't know if we can go back a little bit. Sure. The story really starts. Yeah, we're just having a cup of in, coffee, sister, and <laughs> we're going to get through this. Yeah. In uh, 2019, um, my sister, her name's Christy. She's married to Scott, who is a pastor. And they had been serving out in North Dakota for over 20 years. They'd raised three kids out there. It was kind of their home home church. But in 2019, they started to feel like um, they just wanted to be back in Minnesota. And they felt like God was kind of wanting them back here for whatever reason. They couldn't put a finger on it. And um, so, they, you know, COVID was just starting to hit as well. But he had turned in his resignation January of 2020. So before Jay's passing, before, you know, we, mm-hmm. we had no idea what the next two years were going to right. hold. Um, and he gave the last date of employment as the end of May. Um, and actually one day the three of us were talking, Scott, Christy, and myself. And he said, you know, I know we feel like we're coming back to Minnesota to be, you know, there for our parents who are getting older. But for some reason, I feel like Amy's going to need our help. So Really? Yeah, I think about that. It just kind of gives me goosebumps. And that that was in January of 2020. And as you're moving through and looking forward to a um, a new job um, that that your husband is going to go into, and you're a busy mom with three kids. And were you working at the time too? Um, I was helping out with him. Um, so Jay was actually he had been doing this web design thing for oh 20 some years. So he had had that agency mm-hmm. for quite a while, and for the last. Uh, 13 years, I had started helping because I'm a nurse by trade Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing childcare and and all that got a little complicated. So I started helping him at his office. So I was doing along those 13 years, I started taking on more and more responsibilities. So before I knew it, I was doing payroll and benefits and dealing with accountants and um, it's almost like preparation, right? Right, right. So I knew the ins and outs, like the books, the bookkeeping, all of that for the for the company and the people um, really well. And we used to, I mean, I, I loved it. I would go in and we would have our little day dates. We'd have lunch together, mm-hmm. um, go to Subway down the street. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was, <laughs> it, it was just nice. It was, you know, when you've got three kids and you're so busy as a family and your evenings are running to sports or practices and so it was kind of, I just enjoyed the time, you know, working with mm-hmm. him too. So tell me about that day. Had your husband been sick? So no, this was completely out of nowhere. And he, I had gotten up that morning at six, like usual. And I love my mornings. It's kind of my sacred time. Like I, I it's the calm before the storm, before the mm-hmm. kids wake up. 
and I can collect myself, kind of plan for the day. And at 6.45, I heard his alarm clock go off, like usual. And usually he would hit snooze over and over and over <laughs> and over for oh, finally getting out of bed. Yeah. And that day, it he shut it off. It never went off again. So I thought, oh, he must be sleeping in. You know, he could arrange his schedule so he wouldn't have yeah. meetings or whatever. But at the same time, he shut the alarm off. You know, in hindsight, I heard this noise. It was like a bang. Um now, the thing about Jay is he was always so loud. I could hear, I would joke because in my house, I would, it could be in the basement and I would know he was way upstairs in, in the bathroom or one of the kids' bedrooms <laughs> or he just was a loud Aww. walker. His presence yeah. was so big. Um, so I didn't, I really didn't think anything of that noise. And then about 7.30ish, I went up, started to get ready for the day and I saw him laying in bed. He'd pulled the sheet up over his head. It, it That wasn't unusual. He would sleep that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I got ready, started getting the kids online because they were doing distance learning because oh, of COVID. Oh, that's right. 2020. Yes. Um, yeah. My daughter was in the bedroom, you know, her bedroom was right next to ours. And then my younger son, he was downstairs in the sunroom. And for some reason, my older son had spent the night completely unusually at a friend's house the night before. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't even home. And, you know, it was like 1030 and I was helping Colt with some. I thought, I haven't heard a noise coming from upstairs. I mean, it's so strange he's not up yet. So I, when I went up to check on him, you know, from down the hall, I could see he hadn't changed positions oh. since I had been in. So, you know, when you get that feeling yeah. of like, <gasps> what? And I I I spare I spare people the details and just say, you know, when I pulled back the sheet, I just started screaming. As a nurse, yeah. I knew immediately like he was gone oh, honey, that there I'm, was no gosh. And did you ever did you ever think if I had only gone up sooner? Did you did you give yourself that hard of a time? You know, I did ask because, of course, when someone passes unexpectedly, the yeah. police are there to do an investigation. The medical examiner's there. Um, they were kind of just making their own assessments. And I, I did ask. I'm like, could I have, you know, could I have, when I heard that bang, could I have prevented something? But, I mean, I've heard, and even from my own experience, a person can just yeah. drop right in front of you. And there's, if they're gone, they're gone. You know, you might be able to respond quickly, but um, I've gotten really good at just probably releasing the -hmm. things I can't control. You know, um, we have a lot in common in that same way as I found my husband in in our home. And he had been fighting um, a drug addiction for a while. And um, he was so at peace when I found him that... It was like God just said, hey, it's time to, you know, let go and, and, and you know, come to heaven. That's yeah. where, we, where you're going to get healed. But it is, uh, it, it, it's not pleasant. <laughs> and and um, to see that person that you loved so much um, in that situation, how did you walk through the first day or two? Um, you know, it's funny, you know, when you say that, I had this picture of God for some reason in my mind of God's hand, just reaching down into our bedroom and kind of like plucking his spirit Mm -hmm. and taking him just out of his body. It's okay. I did the same too. Yeah. It was, it was, he was so, in my case, he was so peaceful after such a long, um, 
fight. It was just like, yeah, like I said, God just said, hey, let's go. But then most importantly for me, it was all of a sudden I was aware of the Holy Spirit right next to me. Yeah. Just just holding me up. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, being that it was like a peaceful experience, mm-hmm. like I never had flashbacks or, you know, some sometimes trauma can yes. cause some of those types of things, but I never really did experience that. Um, I did probably have a hard time praying mm-hmm. after that because you kind of feel like, well, if things are already planned out or if God already has this thing planned, then, you know, why bother asking for anything different? Yeah, it's okay. Um, so immediately though, um, after calling 911, I called Jay's brother, Dave, who's the youngest of the four boys total. So Dave, um, was able to call the family and really quickly they were all there with me. Um, and then my daughter, got a hold of my family and then they were on their way. They, they were in North Dakota and Rochester. So they were packing up their bags mm-hmm. and coming. And we basically, you know, the perils, we just sat outside in lawn chairs while the police were doing, you know, their work. Mm-hmm. I had to give a formal statement and all of yeah. that. We were just completely in shock. Um, now, um, Jay was Catholic and was a member at Holy Name. Mm-hmm. And so Father Steve came to be with us and he was able to send, you know, say this like special sending prayer with the family over his body. And then later that day, I'm a, a tender at Woodridge Church. So Pastor Paul and Joni and, you know, some yeah. some of those pastors came to be with us. Um, neighbors were stopping by, like coolers were dropped on our doorstep you know, the, the groceries, the food. At the most the, horrific time of your life, it's just amazing how the, the helpers show up. It is know? incredible. Yeah. I mean, I just never, and I still, because right away they set up a meal train and I feel, I, I have to confess, I never realized how supportive a meal train was mm-hmm. until I needed it. And then, because I couldn't, I wasn't really eating much myself, but for my kids, like I needed to feed them and my mom and dad who were staying with us. And, you know, it was, it was incredible. And I think just a a great thing that the community comes together and and does for each other. Yeah. And I I read his, um, um, his, I like call it a home going, I I hate the word funeral, (laughs) his uh, home going notice. And it seems from what you've described and um, that he, was just so loved by so many. And I bet yeah. it was a beautiful service. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, going through all that, that grief work, I definitely have to say there's something to be said for community grieving because for some reason mm-hmm. I felt like when I knew other people were also hurting, um, it just made my grief maybe not feel quite so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely a way, but I, I do have to say, you know, the immediacy of seeing people for the first time was horrible. And yes. I'm sure, you know, going through that, it's just, it's hard to, to be seen and then Aww. retell the story and receive comfort and people, you know, they, they just want, cause they also are grieving and they need to express you their know, grief. I just want to jump in and say, we're talking with Amy Peril. She's sharing the story of the loss of her her love, Jay Peril, in 2020. Um, And I love what you just said. I want to write that down. It's hard to be seen. 
because I just remember all these people in my home and just going back in my bedroom and, um, and they didn't know what to do with me. They're like, come out, stay here. What, you know, we don't know what to do with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. Hey, we'll be right back. But first I want to thank our sponsor wings for widows. You can find out more at wingsforwidows.org. I'm Pam Lundell. And I know when I first became a widow, so many things just crop up and things that you have to do. And one of them is finances. And I really didn't know a lot about our finances, and I wish I'd known about Wings for Widows because they're a nonprofit just for you to help you walk through those difficult decisions. In fact, Joe from Eden Prairie says, I'm so glad I reached out. They helped me to wrap my arms around the enormity of my situation and move forward with confidence. I can't thank Wings for Widows enough. Such a great resource. Your financial wellness check, your financial coaching is free. There are so many great people there ready to reach out, just give you a hug and help you through those difficult financial decisions. Check it out at wingsforwidows.org. How long did your parents or your sister stay with you? So they they stayed, my parents stayed a couple of weeks and then my sister kind of came for a week and then went back. But with COVID, every time she crossed the state borders from North Dakota to Minnesota, there was a tumor. A two-week um, no, that's uh, right quarantine oh, period. So, you know, at that point, they had you know they were moving to Minnesota, but they had, didn't have a house lined up. They didn't have a jobs lined up. They've been looking, but nothing quite yet. And at that point, I said, "Why don't you stay with me? I mean, it just makes sense. You can land here and then look for something." Because mm-hmm. I knew I wanted them close to me because. I knew I would need their help and with three kids. So and that's what she said in January. That's exactly that what you would need her help. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so as they were, as they were um, moving in, you know, we were talking about, you kind of need to talk about these things up front, right? Like what are our expectations? What they were yep. like, how long do you want us to be with you? And I said, in a perfect world, I would love it if you could be with me till Dylan gets his driver's license. And as it turns out, you know, I don't know if you remember the markets that year, like the housing market was just crazy. Yeah. Like it was listed and it'd be gone. Gone in yeah. seconds. With with just, 50, 60, 70 offers, you yes, know. And yeah. Over asking price and all cash, non mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Um so they had made a couple of offers. You know, they had gotten jobs. Christy had moved from a cancer center in North Dakota. She's a nurse too. And then she got a job in a memory care facility up in Maple Grove. Okay. And um, Scott had gotten a job down in Oatana as an interim pastor, which ended up being perfect because they would go to, you know, church in Oatana and then zip over to Rochester, spend the day with my parents and then come back. And that gave them more time in, in those months to be with my mom and dad yeah. um, than years before. Yeah. Um, so, well, back to the the timing. So the day Dylan got his driver's license was his 16th birthday. And when was that? October 9th. And okay. he passed on his first attempt, which I say oh, okay. is already a miracle. That is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that is a miracle. But yeah. as we were... Sitting around that evening, we were celebrating his birthday. My brother-in-law, Scott, his phone rang, and it was the realtor saying, your offer has been accepted. 
Wow. So it's just like on the same day, on the very same day. And I thought, wow, you know, my my timing and God's timing really rarely ever matches yeah. up. <laughs> but but this yeah. day it was. And then later on, we found that their offer wasn't even the highest one on the table. But for some reason, the seller just chose them. Mm-hmm. It just it was just meant it to happens. Be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your so your sister then and your brother in law then were here with you, yes. Um, in, but in their own house, right? Yes, yes. They, <laughs> That's amazing. They, um, can you tell me what um, your concerns were for your children? I mean, how how did they? You lost a husband, which mm-hmm. no one can imagine unless you go through it. Mm-hmm. A spouse. Um, I know we have a lot of widowers who listen to a widow's heart too, yeah. and those who have been divorced. So it's 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 all just a great grief, yes. is what it is. And then there's the children. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to that a little bit about how they are getting through it? Because it's only been two years. Yeah. yeah and- well, you know, and and like each of us process things so differently. I think between the four of us, we've all processed it so differently. Yeah. Um, I think you know I've definitely it's really important to seek out professional help right away. That's, you know, Amen. that was on my list. <laughs> and, and so we've, you know, worked through a lot of that. Um, I do think, you know, my, my 17 year old now, he's kind of a rock. He's just been a consistent, steady rock this whole time. Um, and then, you know, my daughter was more of a daddy's girl mm. and I think she's probably taken it probably the hardest. Um, she's had some of her own medical issues too. So it's just each one of us are so different. And then there's my 12 year old who is so much like his father. I mean, one day I remember shortly after Jay's passing and I had him in the the back seat of my car and we were driving. I'm like, so how you doing? You know, you're doing okay. And he said, yeah, mom, doing fine. I just shove those feelings deep down inside and I'm good. (laughs) Just, you know, but that is totally something his father would say as, you know, jokingly, of course, but we've done a lot of talking, a lot of processing. And I definitely did some things intentionally right away. Like we took a trip to Yellowstone. Um, We've, we did end up going last spring break to Mexico, you know, with other people, Mm -hmm. but I did have professional pictures taken of the four of us, and I've just really tried to solidify our yeah. family of four. That's oh, that's a good perspective. And how are you remembering Jay? Like on the year of first, like you had birthdays and you had anniversaries, and yes. these are hard questions to ask. Oh. I mean, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> no, it's good. I've really tried hard to because I do think it's important for the kids to have those have those remembering times. Um, the first year anniversary, actually, a, another friend of mine who was a widow brought over balloons for us to release at mm-hmm. six forty-five in the morning. We mm-hmm. released balloons, and that was really special. And then Jay, um, so Jay had always made me promise to have at his funeral bagpipes playing "Amazing Grace" and a keg of beer. So oh. <laughs> we, I did have, you know, with COVID, nothing was we couldn't eat or drink yes. with everybody. But um, I did have bagpipe playing "Amazing Grace" at the entrance of Holy Name. And so on the one year anniversary, and it coincidentally happened to be the day that all of the restaurant restrictions lifted for mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were, you know, it was just like everyone was so happy and it's free. Cool. And yes. yes. 
Um, but we did host his favorite hangout was in cahoots in Medina mm-hmm. or in Hamel. In, it, in Waconia. No, that no, it it's Hamel? in Hamel, but okay. it's very similar to Waconia, like okay. kind yep. of a hole in the wall bar. And yep. he just loved it. So we had friends and family and just everyone kind of join us. And, you know, we always will on May 7th, just mm-hmm. be together. You know, and, and I think that is such a great thing. I always say, I mean, I, I've told my husband, I said, listen, if, if I go first, it's a celebration of life. Yes. I, first of all, the service. I know where I am. I want to make sure that you are going to heaven too. And then we're going to have a big party. That's right. You know, yes. I don't want people moping around and, you know, and, and being a- sad. But can you tell me then um, how God has shown up a lot? You, you've, you've alluded to it a couple of times with your sister yeah. moving and then yeah. the house selling and everything like that. But what are some of those, um, oh, I like to call them God winks that you've seen over the last couple of years? Oh, you know, so many. I think with Jay's business, the agency, I think that's a big part. So the Peril family, they're all very um, successful, driven, entrepreneur. Um, his younger brother, Dave, um, because of COVID, actually came in that following Monday. So Jay passed away on a Thursday mm-hmm. and we were together at the funeral home on Friday. And then Dave Monday came in with his laptop. You know, he's got his own business to run. But he helped Jay's business with with that transition. So he was like, we're going to work through this because, you know, we were all just like deer in the headlights. It just brings tears to my eyes. I love that family. And he's missing his brother. But they're all like, you know what, we can we can work together. We're doing this for the good. Yeah. Yeah. So it just he helped us go through transitions of, you know, restructuring, um, through COVID layoffs. I mean, with that whole season, um, we ended up hiring a new president to run the agency whose name is ironically Jay. I mean, (laughs) just, you know, these things. So, I mean, truly the support of the Peril family has been just, I mean, incredible. And, and friends, I mean, my friends have just, I feel like God just has showered us with so much love through our community, mm-hmm. through our friends, through our churches, through the schools, um, the support. It just, it's an, it's incredible. And, and even when we did take, when I did take the trip to Mexico with the kids, um, it was, it was with a good friend of Jay's and his family. And I've, you know, I'm kind of a high stress traveler, I'd, I'd say, especially leaving <laughs> the country uh-huh. with the COVID tests and the proof of this and that. Yeah. And, and my oldest son plays basketball and he needed to stay back because um, they were still in the running for a state tournament. And so I took the two younger ones and we were flying um, down into Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Well, another one of a friend of Dean's happened to be on the exact same flight as, as us. And so he flew and he's, and he's like a frequent flyer. So he's like, Oh, come to the sky club. We could hang out in here mm-hmm. and then get on the plane. And, and then we landed and we could navigate from the airport through, you know, the crowd where they're trying to sell yeah. you stuff and then find your taxi, get your taxi. Oh, to I've the been resort. there. I, re- I remember that. It's like, ah, I don't know where to go. And I, yeah, I was nervous, like going with just two kids and here, like, I feel like God provided almost like an escort for us. Yeah. And then my son ended up losing the next game. And so my brother-in-laws were on the phone coordinating a flight for him down the very next morning at 6 a.m. He was going to arrive at noon. 
Well, this other friend of Dean's happened to be taking that exact same plane back. So he and I went back from the resort to the airport, and I could sit and wait for my son. And then I just felt like God just, like, laid it. I didn't even ask for it. I mean, I just, he just kind of has done so many things like that where it's like, got you covered. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that's the thing too. And I love, we're, we're talking with Amy Peril and she's sharing her story of losing her husband, Jay, about how um, it, it's just so important too, to just be aware and just, just alert for those things that happen. I've heard so many incredible stories. I have my own, my, my husband died on August 14th. And um, that night I was outside just looking up at the stars going, Really? Mm-hmm. And I saw shooting stars. I've shared this before. And by the way, listeners, you're going to be hearing a lot of my stories over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the Perseid meteor showers that come Aww. by every year at that time. And it's just like a, like a, a hug from heaven mm-hmm. every year. And then I know that, that John is safe. Anything else that you want to share in that um, over the last two years that, that you've seen? Are, are you yeah. working with the agency or did you turn that over? Well, I still... You know, I still own it and we still have Jay, the new Jay running it. And Mm -hmm. we basically now Dave and I go in like every quarter to just kind of hear a high level cap of what's going on and how's it doing. And and so that's kind of where it's at right now. But yeah, over the last couple of years, so about a year after Jay's passing, you know, Christy and Scott moving here and transitioning to life as a widow, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a whole, whole thing. Um, but my dad ended up suddenly passing away. Um, so I'm sorry. Now my mom, my mom now is a widow and, um, and she's in Rochester. She, well, so they had actually just sold their home in Rochester cause my dad had this big, um, dream of moving to the cabin. He wanted to finish building. They had built kind of the basement level and he wanted to build the top upstairs. And so that, um, it was May of 2021 They had their moving truck come. They sold their house very quickly in Rochester, but they were able to go through all the closets, all the, you know, I mean, when you live there for 50 years, they were able to go through everything and toss things and give it away. And And hallelujah, they did that, right? Yes. I mean, we think that's such a blessing hindsight now. So they moved up to their cabin and the upstairs wasn't quite done yet. So the moving truck moved in all of their belongings into the garage and... It was July, 4th of July, my dad got sick and he ended up in the hospital. We found out he had a salmonella infection. Just this last year? It was 2021, so not quite a year ago. Mm -hmm. And he was there. We each spent a couple of days with him and my mom in the hospital just trying to help them out. Mm -hmm. This was up in Alexandria. And he did get sent home and he had a home, home care nurse, occupational therapy, physical therapy, had lots of people coming in. So we really felt he had the support he needed. Mm-hmm. And then the day of July 14th, that night, my mom called and his fever was back and he was short of breath. She rushed him, rushed him to the hospital mm-hmm. and we didn't think it was anything life-threatening. I mean, we thought maybe he's dehydrated. We don't, you know. So my brother-in-law, Scott, ran up to be with my mom, and Christy and I were with the kids, and we could hear over through the phone, and we were watching some of his online, you know, test results coming in. We could see that he was going into organ failure, and um, they were checking his arterial blood glasses. I mean, there was, and, and I just couldn't, I mean, even believe this was happening. 
And then we heard him starting to code, and we heard the alarms going off, and then they pulled oh my, my mom out of the room. Amy, I'm sorry. And, I'm so sorry. you know, just hours, this could be, a, this is another God thing, just hours before, um, earlier that day, the carpenters had come down and told him they were done, that his project was totally done, He's, they, he could move in, yes. And so, so it was done for you. It mom. was done. And so my dad was such a project guy. He always, he loved projects. He'd keep us working all the time, but he could hear your projects done. And, you know, so that's another thing of timing. We were planning on being up there that weekend to help move in. Um, but we all ended up there that night at three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it just... It's, it, it reminds me of your your job is done. I uh-huh. mean, yes. what? Yes. Your race is run. Yeah. Your job is done. It's complete. And so you lost your husband in May of 2020, your dad in July of, of 2021. Where Where's that strength coming from? I know you probably go in your room and just shut the door and just have a moment here and there and everywhere. Maybe you hear a song or, you know, um, my husband loved cars and loved John Deere. Oh, my gosh. Whenever I see a John Deere tractor, I still get sad. He he would just put the trailer on it and drive around and pick up sticks if he couldn't (laughs) mow the lawn. But where's your strength coming from? Oh, definitely. I would say the prayers of believers. I really felt like I was just being lifted and I could. I, I honestly, I really felt strong this whole time, but it's funny how then you, you make it another month and you're like, wow, I feel even stronger. And you look back and you're like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't there yet, you know, mm-hmm. but I feel like your brain almost allows you to process so much at a time and you kind of, yes, you kind of get a little bit, a little bit and you just get stronger and stronger. But I definitely say, I mean, the support, the prayers of believers, definitely my faith, um, it, it's definitely carried me through because it, you know, the story doesn't even end there. So after my dad's yes. passing, yeah. we were trying to figure out with my mom, she'd been a little forgetful, but you know, of course with the cloud of grief, it got really bad and we weren't quite sure is this real I mean, you dementia. Were so, I can't imagine. I, I still have both of my parents and if my dad went before my mom I don't she will she she would be living with us or or somewhere else but we, yes I'm just identifying with you because yeah you've had that beautiful place and she can't be by herself right and you just so then she was she did try to stay up there by herself for like four or five days and then a cousin was going to pick her up bring her to a funeral down in Hector where my dad's family lives and I was going to meet them out there so they were kind of going across, you know, through the country from Alexandria down to Hector. And all of a sudden my mom started to have a seizure in the car. And Rhoda, cousin Rhoda calls and, you know, and she said, but as they pulled into the next little town called Atwater, there happened to be just a sheriff just was sitting on the side of the road. It was like he was waiting for her. And within minutes you know, Rhoda said there had to be an ambulance on the other side of the building. So they quickly swept her off over to the hospital at Wilmer. So I'm re-navigating mm-hmm. over to Wilmer to, to be with her. And, you know, we got there and they did all the scans. There was nothing obviously wrong. So they said, we'll just follow up with neurology. And so then at that point, like we've been praying for clarity, where is mom going to live? And we're like, well, you're having seizures. You can't be alone out in the country. But 
our mom is she's so independent. She's like, I am not living in my daughter's basement. <laughs> and I just have to tell you, Amy was waving her finger in your face and I can just see your mom. That is so cute. Yes. And so Christy, of course, who had been working at this memory care facility in the oh, assisted man, living. Yes. You see, you're connecting these dots here. It just like God had this all ordered for us ahead of time. Um, so she got an apartment for my mom at the independent living section, and she really could move in right away. And so we got her all moved in. And then later we had this appointment with the Mayo Clinic Neurology, and they said, yes, there's a reason she had her seizure and her brain is changing and it's showing classic Alzheimer changes. So her forgetfulness, you know, all of that was fitting. It it just made sense. I mean, just, yeah. but another huge loss that we're facing, you know, she's facing this, but she is in the perfect place right now. She's living. She doesn't need to move until it's, you know, more of an mm-hmm. end, or end stage yeah. of the forgetfulness. Um, so she's, she's in the perfect place right now. And my sister works there. So I know she gets I, to stop by. Beautiful. What happened to the cabin? So the cabin we still have, and Good. we're going to hang on to that as a family. Yes. Um, just, you know, it's, it's, it's so much of my dad and my mom. And so that's going to be, that's going to stay in the family. And, you know, we're slowly getting all of her, you know, the paperwork that happens. Oh my goodness. Terrible. If you've not gone through this, the loss of a family member or a spouse, and you're under the most incredible stress and pressure and, and grief, and then you've got to make all these decisions. Yes. It is overwhelming. So that's where we're at. And I have to say, honestly, my mom, growing up was very serious, um, you know, had like an ideal, things needed to be perfect. And with this, I think diagnosis has come a little bit of a, a, a change in her personality. And she is like cracking jokes left and right. <laughs> she is having so much fun and oh. we couldn't be enjoying her more. And we're so glad she's here because, you know, she's 15 minutes away. We, I get to go pick her up. She's five minutes from Christy oh. and, and we get to see her all the time. She's been to more basketball, baseball, you know, track yeah. now. I mean, she is constantly getting out and about and she's just, she's having a great time. That is so good. Do you have anything else you want to add? Well, actually, I do. Oh, no. Wow. I no, do. We it got doesn't time. end there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so after, you know, after all this, there's so much going on. Um, just three months after Jay passed, um, our neighbor, one of his best friends, yeah. and my daughter Bryn is best friends with his daughter Allie, and his wife and I are, at this point, we are like sisters. Um, he passed out. And they they didn't really know why, but then he was having some personality changes and some really bad headaches. And Annie brought him to West Health, and he had some brain scans, and he had a glioblastoma brain oh, tumor. Please. So for you know, and did you say that they're neighbors? Yes, they live friend. right next door to us. Um, and Mark actually was working at the digital agency for J two before. I mean, which is, he probably spent more time with my husband than I did, if I, if I say it that way. It's just, <laughs> I think a lot of guys close. have friends like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So just this last January. So he had gone through, um, you know, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and last November was given a great prognosis. I mean, he, 
they were like, there's just nothing to treat right now. You kind of get a pass for three months. Well, I know they were probably making some changes with his seizure medications because that was a common thing for him. Mm-hmm. And um, in January on the 20th, um, they found him unresponsive in his bedroom mm-hmm. and life-saving measures were tried and ambulance tried and they were unsuccessful. So now my, you know, I mean, this is my dear neighbor is going through the same thing and she has three kids just like I do. Do you still live live next door to each other? We do. Yes. And honestly, we have, I have Kleenex over here. Okay. (laughs) You know, I think when, when, after he passed, my daughter and I went over there right away and it was almost just like an instant replay of the day that Jay died because the pastors came, mm-hmm. the family and friends were there. It's just like PTSD, isn't it? It is. And, you know, we saw them, you know, they carried their bodies out on the gurney and it's just, that's traumatic enough. And Bryn, my daughter, said, you know, Mom, we know how to help. Yeah. So we have really spent a lot of time with them now. I mean, as much as we can, two busy moms, like running kids multiple directions, but... It is, it's so nice to have someone to talk to who's been through yeah. and, um, and I feel for some reason, I feel like God has planted so many recent widows in my life too, mm-hmm. that there must be, um, kind of a greater purpose for it. If I yeah. can find some kind of meaning in the suffering for, yeah, when, well, at John's um, service, a visitation, um, for some reason, I couldn't leave the side of the casket. And I, I get it. I just thought about this the other day. I bet the funeral home director was like, would you please move so these people can circulate through here? Because I just stood there you know, mm-hmm. like like a mother duck and I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I was just standing there and so many people hugged me and they said, oh, Pam, God is going to use this. Mm-hmm. And I was just like. You don't want to yeah. know what I was thinking. No. <laughs> I was like, I'd no. rather, I'd rather have my husband back well, not yes. the way he was, but the way right. he's well. And then that's how it all kind of came together. Like he is, he is healed in heaven. Yeah. You know, it took, it took a while for me to get there, but, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but it's two years later, but God's going to use you, Amy Peril. <laughs> <laughs> and he already has. Oh, well, thank you. I do feel like, you know, there has to be some purpose in it, but I don't think, you know, I mean, right yeah. away, you just don't see that you're in no. such a. You're, you're, you're still recovering from trauma. You've heard about the widow's fog, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it just hangs in there. I would have people wanting to take me out for dinner or something and we'd make it, make a time and they'd show up and I'd still be in my bathrobe and I wouldn't know what time of day it was, you know, or anything. I did not have little ones at home. Um, but it, it, it's, it's very shocking nonetheless. What, what would you say to, I mean, it, it's hard to think in the immediate aftermath, but maybe a new widow, you know, in her first year, maybe first few months, um, mm-hmm. what encouragement do you have for them? Um, I would definitely, oh, I would definitely say God's got it for sure. And I think learning to just lean into that grief and process it and do that grief work as hard as it is, it's important it's an important part of the healing. Um, like those, um, I was listening to the last podcast with Dr. Mork and those, yeah. um, that stages of, uh, I can't remember how she phrased it, but yeah. it was tasks, tasks of tasks grief. Of and grief. 
As opposed to, wasn't that interesting? Because um, we've all been led to believe that the five stages, is it six or seven? I don't know. Yeah. Stages of grief, you know, um, those are actually um, came up for, for care providers, not for the people who had lost someone. So yes. go back and listen to the last episode, too, if you want to know what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Melissa Moore. She's got a grief series out now, too, on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And what's great is um, she is a um, professor of psychology at the University of Northwestern, and she's also a Christian. So she has that amazing and life-saving perspective, mm-hmm. too, with everything she mm-hmm. says. So nice plug for you, Dr. Moore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so go ahead. So we're working through the tasks of grief. Yes, yeah. working through those tasks of grief, definitely important. Um, but just giving yourself grace, really, to and I think permission to maybe not answer a phone call if you don't have the energy to do mm-hmm. it or, you know, just just letting yourself um, just be and to heal and taking that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would say God, you know, God certainly helps us through it. And I really believe like he's orchestrated events in my own life. Unbelievable, unbelievable stories of connection yes. and, and yeah, God stories. And, and we sometimes don't see those plain up front. I, I would have to admit most of the time I would see it after I've been through something and kind of looking back and I can identify like how God, but all along the last couple of years, I've just, it's been clear to me how he's been working. So maybe look for those moments, look for those things, because maybe he did, you know, mm-hmm. orchestrate something that could possibly help them through it and, and just trust really just trust that he has it. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be more of those God winks to come for you, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us today. What an incredible story. And I can't wait to follow along to see what happens next. Thank you so much too. Well, I hope you've learned something and been encouraged by Amy's story. I'd love to have you like our new Facebook page. Just look for A Widow's Heart with a picture of a sidewalk with a pretty pink flower growing through. I love that picture. It shows strength and beauty just like you. A Widow's Heart is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of University of Northwestern St. Paul. If you've lost a spouse or know someone who is, please share this podcast or any of the others on Apple, Google, and Spotify. A Widow's Heart is grateful for the support of Wings for Widows.